fantastic to sing songs together and Christmas is almost here. <laughs> so we've taken this time at our church here to, to take this Advent season, which is the four weeks before Christmas, and go through why it's so important. Some of these big words that we use about Christmas, and some of them aren't so big. I mean, they're things we know really well. Hope and peace. And today we have joy. Joy to the world, the Lord has come, right? We sing the song. Almost everybody I know knows, knows the song. I could probably ask you to sing it right here. I won't. But we know joy to the world, right? My heart rejoices, Mary says, at the coming of Jesus and, and this heavenly host singing out good news of great joy. To Wow, the shepherds hear it. Jesus is here. And so for many, this is kind of the mark of the Christian this morning, that you're a person of joy, Except kind of when you aren't. I know when I was in medicine, there were, I had a couple patients that they were seeing me and then they stopped seeing me. They went and saw my partner and I, they were good friends. So, why, why don't you see me anymore? I say, Dax, you're Tigger. You just bounce around. And sometimes I want someone who's not so joyful. Well, that, I don't know that my bouncing around was meant to be joyful, but that idea, right, that man is kind of forced sometimes, this, you know, choose joy idea, is it, is it real? And as we talk about Christmas and the wonder of Jesus coming, do I make up joy? Is it that and, 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 and so because we don't experience joy all the time, you and I, then, then sometimes we start to fiddle with it. I can't tell you the number of times I've heard people tell me, you want joy? Here it is. I'll tell you the thing for joy. J-O-Y. Jesus, others, and you. If you just get it right like that, then, then, then you'll have it, you know, if you put Jesus first. And so then I go around, and I, I've been in places where if you struggle with not having that feeling, if you are down, then there's something you're not doing right. You probably aren't putting Jesus first. And we come back and say, well, is that joy? Is that the approach? And, and it's Christmas. Advent. We think about the coming of Christ. We prepare with these amazing deep concepts we've been trying to bring home and show you the incredible wonder of the babe come forth, hope for the hopeless and, and peace, this deep assurance for, for the conflicted. And then Jesus brings these, they're a gift for you. And joy is not different. So, so what we do, sometimes we forget to reinforce joy, Christian joy, to experience joy. I want you to think it through with me. I actually think it's not as, as difficult and complex as sometimes we make it. Because we're struggling with, I don't, I don't feel it, so I want to differentiate it out. So I want to do three things. I want to define it for us. I want us to say, hey, here it is. It's desired. And then how we've lost it and how we can find it. That's today to think about around the coming of Christmas. The advent of joy. <laughs> it is in the coming of our Savior. Okay, so first, joy desired. Who doesn't want it, right? I actually think that many of us, I, I don't know too many people, I, maybe you're one of them, but, but I certainly don't know many that would say, oh no, I don't want joy. I'd prefer to be sad in the corner. 
Your experience might be one of struggling with joy, but it's not like you don't want it, right? I mean, kids leaping and, I mean, it's great. So, but what is it exactly? What is this thing? So I, I, I gave a couple definitions. Here's one from the Merriam-Webster Dictionary. It's kind of the one of the big dictionaries. They all look about the same. They say it's an emotion evoked by well-being, success, or good fortune, or by possessing what one desires. And when I get what I really want, joy. That's not bad. Or if you look at the Greek dictionary, that's that GLD, Greek lexical dictionary. It says a feeling of inner happiness. Wait a minute. Is that right? I was just talking to someone the other day, and they're like, hey, there's a big difference between joy and happiness. Joy is the depth of obeying God and feeling good about it. It lasts, and happiness isn't. Well, I, that's, that's a great concept, but it's not a Bible one. Uh-oh. What do you mean? I've heard people teach on it. Well, this is the meaning of the word. It's not like somehow it changed along the way. It's not in the Bible. There's not a difference between happiness and joy. There's synonyms. We strive after joy. We strive after happiness. It's actually like the motto of our nation a little bit. That the, the, the inalienable right of people to do what? To go after life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It's not wrong to say life, liberty, and the pursuit of joy. What brings you joy? What, what are the things that make you happy? I mean, it's more than pleasure, right? It can be, though, it, this idea that the, the range of the word goes, goes pretty wide, but those are pretty much the same thing in the Bible. That's kind of interesting because, I, because here's the thing. Everybody wants it. I want to be happy, and a lot of times I'm not. I want to have joy, and often I don't have it. I, I think we, we are striving, we're driven towards obtaining joy. I, you know, I have things that I think I should do, but there are also things that I think I want to do, and they get in my heart. It's about the heart and desires, and I go after what's going to make me joyful, what's going to make me happy. That's just how we are. I think it is. You say, well, I, you know, I do some things that don't make me happy because they're duties, but I think they're getting me something that I think will be good so I, I can have this, this joy. Why did you get married? It's a pathway to joy. I, yeah, kids, because of joy, I, I want them. Run a marathon. Okay, never mind. <laughs> Because it gives us something that we like. We think, hey, this is going to, the the finish will be good or something. It's not like it doesn't cost or I'm not going to do something hard. It's not an avoidance of doing something difficult. It's I'm doing something because it's giving me satisfaction, joy, happiness. Whether that happiness is a sense of accomplishment or whatever it might be. Joy. Gladness of heart. Happiness of countenance. It's not wrong that we experience lament or brokenheartedness, or overwhelming sadness, but it would be wrong to say those things are joy. It really is interesting how we build these funny theological constructs around kind of wrongly separating joy and happiness, like happiness is bad, but joy is good. Here's the thing. K, 
catch this with me. I don't know if you've ever thought about joy at length, really. Joy is you have an experience that's better than your expectations. Right? This is, we're talking now about how, what, what's going on. What I, what I get is better than I think I deserve. Just think of what makes you happy. That, I mean, that's joy. If I get a raise at work, wow, I'm happy. I think, I, I, well, hey, wow, that's awesome. If I, if I got a bargain on a new car, hey, I got more than I deserve. I'm pretty happy. Let me tell you about the great bargain I got. If I wake up and I take a huge breath and I think, oh, I get to live today. I wasn't sure I was going to, but I, well, you see, my expectation was maybe not, but my reality is I'm experiencing something and it caused joy because it was better than I thought. I'm reading a good book and I got to sneak in three extra hours of reading. Whoa, so fun. I didn't think I was going to be able to, but Joy! You got to walk in the woods, whatever it is, right? You start talking about these things. My sense of joy is based on my expectations, what my norms are, and what my experiences are on that. So, so when the Seahawks win, I joy. I didn't expect them to. They're terrible. Sorry, Seahawks. I mean, especially if they should have. When they lose, then I have sadness. But maybe I don't have too much sadness. They're playing a really good team, and I didn't expect they would lose or win. My expectations weren't very high. Then, ah, you know. My kid smiles at me. It's joy. It's, it's a non-expected gift of wonder. He snarks at me. I'm angry because I should have been respectful. If I make it to my meeting on time, joyful. If I get pulled over by the police, I'm sad because my expectation was I wasn't going to be. <laughs> Even though I was speeding. Okay, you know, it keeps going, right? Am I supposed to start gaining weight in middle age? Oh, well, that's okay. But if it's not okay, then my expectations are that you wouldn't. Then I start to feel guilt and then I don't have joy and I struggle because I have these expectations that I should be doing better than I'm doing and, and I don't do well, so I don't have joy. You get it? Kind of just walking through expectations and, and experiences. Those are the two things. Okay, so my sense of joy is based on expectations, what the norms are and what my experiences are. And to me, just as a side, we're not going to go deep into this, and I'm just talking at you so you get this, but this is why Facebook and Instagram and all those things can be really hard because it changes your expectations. You start looking at what other people are doing, and they're all putting on their happy stuff. Well, why don't I have that? All of a sudden, you're missing something. You're not getting your expectations because I should get enough like everybody else. I should get the same stuff as everybody else and they're getting stuff that I'm not getting. And so then, then I feel like, oh no, I, 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 what, how come I'm not? And I'm not happy. I'm not joyful, right? This is, this is the problem we come into as our expectations get off. Our natural human pursuit and drive is to pursue joy. Pursue better circumstances. Pursue better experiences. We want it. And, and, and I want to say one more thing. It goes right along with this, and it's from the Bible. I just want to show you the words for a second. I don't know. Definitionally, the word in Greek, I don't love to do a lot of Greek work here. You guys need to think I'm oh, Mr. Greek or anything. But, but it is important. If you look at the word for, for um, the, that top word, kara. 
That's joy, happiness. Look at the second word, charis. That's grace. Kara, sometimes karas and charis. You see how close those are? Really close. And they're connected. And, and that goes along with expectations, right? Think of it in this framework. You might start to understand. Joy particularly comes when you get a gift. Right? Because that's grace. A gift, what? You don't deserve. So you weren't expecting it. It's, done not, it's beyond your expectations, undeserved gifts. It breaks your expectations in a good way. You know, getting something radically good that you didn't expect, it brings happiness. Oh, that's really cool. Thank you. Especially something that you're like, wow, that's amazing. You're giving that to me? Unexpected grace brings joy. Because they're really closely matched together, right? This is the concept of joy. It, it works everywhere. If I change my expectations, if my experiences change, this is where joy can, can happen in a good way. If, it, if they're beyond expectation, that I, that I get blessed somehow, that I get grace, all of a sudden I have karaf, I get karis, I, I have karaf. Okay. That's just some background. I mean, because my, my trouble is people go all into weird about, well, you know, you're happy, but that's not really joy. It's, it's, it's got to be something different because you're just experiencing pleasure and happiness. Well, that's, that's not good. No, it's just joy. Now, the thing is, why are you having it? That, that's the other question, right? But we all want it. The pursuit of happiness is having the ability to change your circumstances or go after what you hope for because, because you're, you're trying to meet what would bring you joy. Okay, I don't know anyone who doesn't desire it. Our trouble is that our expectations are warped beyond measure. Our expectations are warped beyond measure. Yours. Mine. This is joy lost. And I want to show you that for a few minutes. I'm going to take it up. Because this is Christmas and the arrival of Jesus and begins to untwist because of grace, because of the gift, if you'll just receive it. But there's really these two really important critical pieces to joy. And we don't think it through enough to, to actually think about what my difficulty is. And here it is. It's how you see yourself. That's your expectations. And, and it's what you actually experience. And most certainly, again, I've never met anybody who doesn't, and I'm a relatively joyful person myself. We lose our joy. The reason why we're not okay with the pursuit of happiness, and, and, and I'm okay with saying that, oh yeah, it, how great, you can pursue happiness. I know something about your pursuit of happiness. You're not going to get it. Not on your own. I don't know people that experience happiness all the time by pursuing it. We've lost it, you see. Jesus doesn't come and do what we expect. He, he validate our puny attempts at justice and rightness in ourselves. When Jesus comes, his actions and his teachings, they turn the world upside down. And all of a sudden I have these expectations and I realize, oh wait, my expectations change. 
And that leads to me seeing the wonder of the gift. So I want to pick up one of his teachings. You know it well. It's called the best story in the world. We're just going to do really briefly. I'm not going to the depth of it. It takes, it would take, it would take a while. But I want to breeze through, and I want you to think about expectations and joy, because the stories that Jesus tell in Luke 15, and I want to bring that up, are about joy. They're specifically, explicitly about joy, rejoicing. And our Savior, when he came to earth, and he came as a babe, and then he, as he grew, and he told people, and he talked, and he is the word of God. And, and so there in Luke 15, verse 1, it says this. It says, the tax collectors and the sinners were all drawn near to hear Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes, they grumbled. That's the opposite of joy. Saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. And so he told him a story. A parable. So, so you have this whole setup where Jesus isn't doing the things that I think would lead to joy. Why? Because I think obedience leads to joy. I think if you'd be a good person and get it together, that would be joy. People can acknowledge your goodness. You've been good. And instead, here's Jesus and he's hanging out with the sinners. Those are the not moral people. People are moral, say, I, 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 this is not right, and it causes me difficulty because it doesn't meet my expectation. Right? That's, that's what they're saying, these moral folks, the Pharisees and the scribes. So he's, Jesus hanging out with low lives, and upstanding moral people don't like it, upsetting expectations. So Jesus starts telling them this story. It's like a three parables in a row, and they're all about joy. So fun, so happy to find what's lost. Jesus says, and he talks about a coin being lost and a a sheep being lost. But the main story is about a dad and his sons. God rejoices to find, not to find something better, just to find. And, and, And God, in this rejoicing, has something about our expectations too. Okay, so here, then, this story about joy and expectations, and it's about this dad and his sons. You know, it's a parable of prodigal son. But I want you to read it just in the expectations with me. So here in verse 11, he said, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his dad, Father, give me the share of the property that's coming to me. Okay, he starts this parable, and we don't have time to go into the depth of the cultural setting that's going on. But if you had any sense of the cultural setting, all the listeners start shaking their head at the crazy, terrible attitude of the younger man. He basically wishes his dad was dead. He said, would you give me what's mine when you die? I want it now up front. And, and he doesn't, he doesn't, he's not stealing. He's not saying that. He's, he wants what's due him. The third of the estate, because the older son would get two-thirds. The third of the estate that's mine. I want you to give it to me now, because I need. What does he need? I need to pursue happiness. I'm going to pursue what makes me happy. And what doesn't make me happy is being under you. Right? That, that's what he does. 
It's, it's crazy. This is what people do, Jesus is saying. He, he's pursuing joy. Give me my chance. Expectations and experiences. I think if I could just have more stuff, more freedom to do what I want, to get out from under this authority, to not have responsibilities, to whatever the rubs are, his expectations say what I want is money so I can do it. Why? 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 It's going to make me happy. It's going to bring me joy. I'd be happier without this father, he's thinking. I would just like the blessings. I'm due them, and it's what's fair. I'll I'll make my own experiences. I don't like these. I expect better. I can pursue and get there if the big guy wasn't in the way. The father. That's he. Yep, he's the world. The father knows this isn't the way. It's crazy. The world doesn't work this way, but it's not just the son who's doing something wrong. It's also the radical, amazing, you got to take this in. If you miss this, you're going to miss a huge part of your life. The father lets him do it. Why? You got to be, you got to put in your mind, why? Because the father says, and he divided his property between them. Why do you say, shut up? It's not good for you. There's no joy in this direction. Stop. He doesn't. He gives it to him. Okay. I wonder why. Is it Jesus doesn't care? He's not willing to impose his will on someone else. Is that the issue? No. Follow with me. So the younger son goes off in pursuit of happiness. His expectation set and it says not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and he took a journey off into a far country and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And boy, that's shameful and bad. But really he's trying to pursue happiness. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of, of joy. It's normal, right? He's trying to get joy through his experiences. He's pursuing happiness. His expectation is that riches and wealth and stuff and personal autonomy and hedonistic living bring what? Joy. He makes choices, and they're not perfect choices. There's wrongness. He's lost like everybody, so it doesn't work out. Because it says when when he'd spend everything, a severe famine arose in that country. He began to be in need. And all the people, the high moral expectations go, yep, God's judging that man. Right? That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is telling a story so you can see. It doesn't say God cursed him with a famine. This kid is a blessed, blessed kid in the story Jesus is telling. The father amazing but his expectations needed to change and God's after it because he, not that he did wrong and so he was cursed that's not it the difficulty is he couldn't control his expectations and so he's pursuing happiness his expectation was his circumstances were controllable and he's wrong it isn't you reap what you sow we think God's judging him as we listen to this story and Jesus hasn't turned it yet it's coming around but really God's helping him Because why? Your expectations fail you. They do. They were wrong. There's no hope in happiness through getting free stuff or getting free from God. And it it gets worse. Right? He went, it says, and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. 
I mean, that's like the ultimate terribleness if you're Jewish. Pigs are anathema, and plus now he's there. And I, in case you didn't get that, it's like he's longing to be fed with the pods and the pigs ate. So no one gave him that. I mean, it's this amazing picture of him down there with the pigs in the mud, grabbing, scrabbling for their food. I wonder if he's joyful. He, we know he's not joyful. We know he's not happy. This is like terribleness, right? This is what people do. It's horrible. The breaking, but, but, but I just want to say, his expectations are being broken. What expectations? That if he just had some stuff and he could, he could go for it, that he would find his happiness in his own abilities in his own stuff. And so here he has to hire himself out, join himself, glue himself to a Gentile. A man to get rid of this beggar sends him to feed the pigs. What a horrible job. And fighting with the pigs for the care pods, the, the, the refuse, the garbage that the pigs are eating. Shame and horribleness, and there's no way he's joyful down there. His pursuit has brought him here, and this is what pursuit of happiness brings you on your own. That's, that's the story. And I'm tempted, and you are too. I'm tempted to say, well, this is justice. And no, no, no. This is God breaking expectations, which is the main thing in your life that he's got to do. And he does it. He said, this is what God does. His inability to obtain joy, he could blame God, I mean famine and all, but he doesn't. Instead, what does he do? He comes to himself, it says, in verse 17. But when he came to himself... Right? He said, oh, well, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, and I perish here with hunger. I, I, I'm, I'm not making it. I will, I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and before you, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. So he came to his senses. It's a tough experience, but he sees his foolishness, a glimpse of how far he's fallen, his unworthiness. He can't undo the consequences. By the way, he can't undo the consequences. He's done it. It's finished. It's over. Like all your sin. When I lost it, and in just a few, few seconds got really angry, Towards my kid. It was their fault. Poking me. And, and, and I saw immediately, I said, oh, let's do Come back around and try and undo it and try. It's too late. Those words went in. The consequences of sin, they don't go away. Amazing thing of forgiveness in the gospel. But the, the real thing is we, we, we skim over, we miss our expectations. We think, oh, well, that's nothing. Most of the time I've been fine. But as soon as you actually sin, the ripples go. And Ed, the Bible is super clear. Every single person in this room has sinned. He, he sees it right. This is a, not a wrong thing. I'm not 
I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm not worthy to be called your son anymore. Treat me as one of your servants. At least the servants get to eat. I'm lowering what I thought I deserved. I'll go beg. I have deep sorrow. He doesn't have any thought of worthiness of joy, just penance. Even the lowest laborers have enough to eat. So joy is lost, and rightly so. We lose joy because our choices lead to experiences that are wrong. Now, I do, I, I, I do eat too much, and I'm overweight. Man, I feel guilty about it. I do make choices that I look back and say, you know what, that wasn't a right one. You do too. There's something else going on. You can't take this story only this way. God's the Father. He's at work. What's the work? It's not, well, I'm going to go make my bad kid into a good kid and give him a 12 steps to recover his good standing. At least that's not how joy is found. That's not it. It's that his expectations have changed. And so what's his experience based on what his expectations are? Now he's thinking, instead of, I deserve this, where's my stuff, Dad? Now he's like, I don't deserve anything. And he arose and he came to his father. He came to his father who, here he is, walking back in his filthy, swine-smelling, stinking clothes, and he's trudging back towards the village that they were at, and the father would come and shame him, and the brother can come and heckle him, and, and he'll deserve it. He's like, that, that's my expectation, is I'm going to have to walk through this stuff, and says, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion. That's an undeserved thing. And, and, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. Oh my goodness, what a shock. I mean, this begins the real surprise. The actions of the father, the expectations now that I have are dirt low for this slime bag younger son who's done horrible things. But the father comes and he's running to him. What? He's been searching a long way off. He felt compassion. Uh, amazing. This, and he ran. And, and I've shared this before when we've done this story. That Eastern nobleman like this guy, he, you didn't run. You're in a robe. You don't even, you're not even supposed to show your ankles. But here he's running and he's picking him up. And, and boy, hairy legs. And, and running. Why? The joy of the Father is to find. He embraces, he kissed, he hugs this pig-scented, dirty rebel kid. It's him he repeatedly in the Greek, continually all over the head, full of reconciliation, no shame for the boy, no, no lesson for him. His broken expectation is way better than he could ever hope for what happens right now. It's not he doesn't get a lecture. This is representing God, right? The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. That's a statement of expectation. I have no expectations, Father. I don't. And, and then it says, but I, I, don't ex I don't expect you to do anything. I don't expect joy. I expect service. And, 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 and then the father said to the servants, bring quickly the best robe and put him on and a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. Woohoo! It's so amazing. 
The younger son, the stinky son, is given all the privileges of sonship. Again, the robe, the wealthy family, just have one of them for great occasion, stick it on him, cover his smelly grossness. He calls the servants all quickly, take care of him like a king, a dignitary, a ring. It's not for looks, it's authority. It's like, I just give it to you. The shoes, it's like slaves didn't wear shoes. There'd be a bunch of barefoot people walking around. But not this son, and kill the fatted calf, the special one. Why? Because we're so excited. What are we excited about? Your expectations have changed. I mean, if I was going to summarize in one sentence, that's what happened. That brought excitement. That's what the father, in his actions, has accomplished. And the surprise of your life is the surprise of the father's action, which is what? Grace. Gift, gift, gift. (laughs) Oh, That's what he's done, right? Think about the heart of the son. What is he experiencing? Joy because of the joy of God to receive him and he's unworthy. This is what was outraging the people who are listening to Jesus. Jesus gracing sinners, embracing and kissing all over the head and forgiving and reconciling shameless joy over them. And, 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 and then we won't read it all, we don't have time. But then there's the older son and he's back here going, wait a minute. My expectations aren't being met. That's what he says, right? God says, hey, you've got everything. But what he's going to have to do with the older son, change his expectations. Because in order to get joy, you can't be entitled. The experience based on your expectations. So either your experience has to be so amazing to exceed your expectations or your expectations need to get lower. And Jesus basically told the story to say, look, your expectations should be in the toilet. But grace, because that's what makes grace grace. You don't deserve it. And here comes Jesus, and he's amazing, and he's the babe come from heaven. He's the son of God. He's actually God come to earth, and there he is. And, and we think, well, yes, peace on earth, goodwill towards men, and I've been a good person. I, I believe to enter into that. No, 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 no. I am a sinner who deserves nothing, and here comes, comes God, and God in his wonder has saved me. He's made me his kid. That realization is a realization of joy. Because it's about a gift. That's what we're talking about today. Our joy is that God rejoices over us. No worthiness whatsoever. There's grumbling because justice isn't met somehow or your idea of fairness isn't being met towards you or obedience isn't, your personal obedience isn't getting met with God's action on your behalf. Guess what? Get lower. Why do I say that? Because you're like me. I'm a terrible sinner. Why, I'm not sitting right this second down. No, but I have and the effects of it. Oh, if I look at the things I've done and I realize, wait a minute, I had expectations that didn't meet my experience and so I start to get sad and grumble. And I get back and I say, no, wait, Jesus, 
I don't deserve anything. And here's God in the flesh come to me as a gift. And he says, I've got you, kid. And know what? I've got you all the way. I don't think Jesus in this parable is saying for a second that the father said, oh, I'm dusting my hands of you, younger son. The father knew what he was doing. He's going to break the expectations of people. And he does that to you. You don't get what you think you ought to get. Don't get mad at God. He's breaking your expectations. That's what he does because that's going to bring joy because it's amazing. Our joy is God rejoices over us without any worthiness, just rejoicing. We've been found and we're receiving that. We're not running away, but there's no obedience there in any form you could call moral or meritorious or worthy. It's unworthy, except in the eyes of the rejoicing Father. So when the Bible says, and here's 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16, rejoice always. Or when the Bible says, and here's Philippians 4, verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. That, those, are, those are commands to do what? To realize you, what you get is so much higher than your expectation. It's not a choose joy, get in there and you can do it, you can have this, this feeling. It's saying it's so good, you guys, what you've gotten. You should be yipping up and down every moment of every day. The reality is, you don't. You don't keep the commands of the Bible because we get twisted still. And so I, I want to end with this as, as we talk about joy and we talk about, hey, we should have it, you know, and then there's people that I know, dear friends, and you know many who struggle with joy because they have trouble seeing the low expectations that we really do have and the highness of the experience of the gift of God in Christ for us, which is the babe which is him on a cross, which is forgiveness. It's so awesome. Would you receive it? And then we forget. So we need to speak that to it. Do you know you're forgiven in Christ? Do you know when things don't go your way? God hasn't forgotten you. God's not judging you. God's not, not twisting your arm because he doesn't like what you're doing. God's breaking you. And he breaks me too. And I'm not saying you got to like the breaking. You don't like it. I'm saying joy comes. Because this, all of this is passing. And Jesus is coming. And the gift is so much better than you can ever deserve. Hold on to the reality of Christ. And you may not experience moment by moment things, but it is there because the reality is my experience of happiness, my experience of joy starts to get changed. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. As the Spirit comes in, right? The Spirit comes in and speaks to me about the wonder of Jesus and all he's done for me. And all of a sudden I go, wow. My experience of brokenness, I realize I deserve nothing. But the, the, the word of the Spirit to me is I'm so loved in Jesus, I can't ever escape it. God rejoices over you. Wow! And I start to have this, forever he's doing that. I'm his treasure. And I enter into this, this amazing, amazing truth. And I don't catch it all the time. And it's okay that I don't. I'm in the midst of season. You better believe it. But you better hear from people around you. You are forgiven and Christ is for you. And it's a gift. The only thing that's going to keep you is if you say, I don't want that gift. But it's on your lap. And it's amazing. And it's beautifully wrapped. 
This is why I love gifts at, at Christmas. How wonderful. Because it brings joy. Joy. But the greatest gift is this gift. They point to this gift. Jesus Christ for you and me. So I enter into generosity. Into giving because it reflects what I experience. Not, not, not to get joy, but be, because of joy. And it, it's not just rejoice always like I'm going to grab hold of it. I'm going to fight for my joy. It's the reality of, oh my goodness, he's working on me. So my expectations really are. They're not just said, oh yeah, I'm a, I'm a bad sinner. But you, what you really mean is everybody sins. No, no, no. I am so not worthy. And then you're ready to hear the wonder of, and he adores you. That's the gospel. So if, if you don't have it, come back and dwell on him for you. You won't always get happiness. You won't always get joy, but remind each other. Don't judge. Circumstances overwhelm. Grace will poke through and God will do it. The spirit will move and joy comes in the morning. You have a gift. His name is Jesus. He makes all things new. Christmas morning. <laughs> the admin of joy let's pray Lord thanks for what you do for us Lord forgive us that we think we have something to do with obtaining joy we think we have something to do with cleaning up so you'll like us Lord thank you for the gift that Christmas is the gift that your son Jesus is to us Lord we confess this morning we are not worthy and the things that we do and what we want and how we want to take away from you to find our joy. So we come back today amazed that you value us. Amazed that you call us your kids. And Lord, we rejoice in that. And Lord, help us to see with our eyes and to know with our hearts the reality of your love for us this Christmas. In the name of Jesus. Amen.